Ladies and gentlemen, thank you for coming here for this event to announce the return of TVR. If you can take your seats, the press conference is about to start. Yes, it's going to start any time now. Uh, but, right. No, it's definitely going to start. Oh, dear. Just a bit of WD-40 and it will definitely start. Bruh. That's not good. There's a hot smell. Okay, I'm pretty confident we can get it started any moment now. So, if you... Uh, no, right, fine. Ladies and gentlemen, if you would all please move around to the back of the press conference and give us a jolly good push. Hello and welcome to Gareth Jones on Speed. We were just discussing bands, not cars at all. I'm joined by the mighty Zog. Hello. And the inimitable Richard Porter. Hello. Are you inimitable? Well, I hope so. I don't know. I don't know. Can you be inimitable? Well, if I had a really weird speech impediment or something, it would make it easier. <laughs> well, yes, this evening we're going to talk about it. We were talking about music, but we were talking about yeah. it in a way that relates to cars. Yes. We were just talking about Lloyd Cole, who is a, one of my favourite recording artists of all time and has a new album out, which is superb, if you like Lloyd Cole. But I was saying to Zog, the reason I got into Lloyd Cole is because... I saw an album track listing of his when I was still at school and it had a track on it called 2CV. And being a car yeah. nerd, I just went, ooh, I wonder what that sounds like. But being on a tape, as it was back in those days, you sort of have to listen to the whole thing. You'll yes. never find it by spooling through. Yes. And on that basis, listened to the whole album and went, oh, this is quite good. I think I will get into this Lloyd Cole and his commotions. And then... A good way in, yeah. And then stayed with him. And he's great. Car connection. I, I will show you the clip of Lloyd Cole on Get Fresh after this program <laughs> later on, and then you can tell me if he's great. Oh, uh, listen, while we're on the subject of music and cars, why the hell not? Can I plug a Slade song? Imagine how happy I would be when Slade recorded a song, probably about NASCAR, but certainly about motor racing. Was it Car- called Round and Round? It's just <laughs> a new order song, isn't it? Yeah, could, about, NASCAR. Be about NASCAR. It's called Ready to Explode, and it's very much about the start of the race. And it's great. It's like a four-minute piece of progressive rock. It really is for Slade on one of their later albums. Forget which one. So it's progressive rock for someone with a short attention span. Yeah, but it's all about cars because Jimmy Lee he likes his cars. He's had a number of ooh quattros. Yeah. Anyway, sorry, Zog. You got a music car story uh, I, you can pull out of the hat? No, but I, 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 I give you a two CD story if you like. I was watching Smiley's People the other day, and yeah. there's a character called Peter Gwillem in it. Who, in the course of Smiley's People, the two cars that he's seen driving are a Porsche 924 and a Citroen 2CV. Which, Interesting. Uh, in so what order? Which somehow you know, rather endeared him Did to Did he upgrade or downgrade? <laughs> I, I think it was because he wasn't driving the 924 because I think he'd, be, he'd been told not to park it outside the embassy or something, or there might have been some other... I, I can't remember if there was another problem. They could have oh, And also, I rather liked the moment in which George Smiley crankily described the 924 as being a perfectly horrible little car. <laughs> <laughs> they should have given him a 911, though, because it being that era, then they could have just claimed that the character was a stickler for air cooling and the TCV would have fitted perfectly. Yeah, I, I like what you're thinking there. Yeah. TCVs, they run on Pirelli tyres. 
He asked, making some sort of manufactured oh, link. Oh, I see. Oh, you're kind of bringing this back to uh, the present day. Oh, how topical. I see what you did there. They didn't. They were on Michelin. They would have been, Michelin they, yeah. X, the very skinny tyre. I built a Duchevaux tyre at the Michelin factory myself. Oh, yeah. I did it, yeah, in Clermont-Ferrand. I did that. Yeah. yeah, it was great fun. Sorry, Pirelli tyres, though. I know we've said this before on this programme, but to the ineducated man on the street, and quite frankly, I've had a conversation with him. He's very ineducated. You wouldn't buy a Pirelli tyre, would you? I I am very concerned for poor old Pirelli, who were brave and bold and accepted the contract to be the supplier in Formula One, and it seems to have brought them utter disaster. Yeah, it's been a perfect example of a poison chalice, really, hasn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, it's like, could you make yeah. the tyres crap, please? Yeah, OK, we can do that. Oh, no, now everyone says our tyres are crap. Mm. It's, 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 yeah. It's, yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't blame Catch Pirelli. 22, maybe. Mm. Yeah, I blame Sam Michael, but I don't blame Pirelli. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, the, I mean, clearly there was a sort of a perfect storm of, well, I say clearly, but you know, it looks like there was a perfect <laughs> storm of, you know, a curb that was a little bit unkind to a certain part of the tyre because mm-hmm. of the way that... The inner wall. You know, plus the temperatures, plus the fact that, oh, uh, actually, we've put the tyres on the wrong way around. Oh, oh. You know. Well, um, so I didn't know they were directional. I mean, I never well, left road car Apparently the now, teams didn't but... either. Or, no. <laughs> yeah. Well, oh, no, no, no. The truth is that the teams did know they were directional, and they believed they were get. It's not a put-on by accident. They were, some teams have put them on the wrong way around. They believed they would get an advantage mm. from this. What that advantage is, I don't know. They believe the durability might be better that way around or in their left-hand circuit. I, well, I can't huge get. blowout from one car, which would enable the safety car to come out and allow the ah, other car to bunch up. No, oh, that's far too s- cynical. You've that's studied not, at the school of Flavio Briatore, haven't you? <laughs> no, I think what's interesting about this isn't just what happened on the track at Silverstone, but then in the following week, statements, the statements that were made, because one of them was from Derek Warwick, the chairman of the BRDC, and therefore... Mm boss man at Silverstone, who was very quick to put out quite a no-nonsense statement saying, well, those curbs have been the same for three or four yep. years. So don't don't, don't start talking about our curbs. Yeah. Mm. And mm. was very matter-of-fact about it. But then so were Pirelli when they put out their statement, which tried to... Deflect. Put, yeah, a lot of the blame onto the teams with yeah. this stuff about, well, they put the tyres on the wrong way around and stuff mm. like that. But yeah. then, I think it was almost within the hour, they put out another statement directly from Paul Hembry, the boss of Pirelli F1 division, going, oh, God, no, sorry, 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 didn't mean any of that. It just looked really sort of... He'd had a call. Exactly, I think he imagined he had quite a few calls. He was just going, look, no, no, Martin, I'm sorry, I'm so sorry. I didn't... Hang on, I've got another call coming in. Oh, God, it's Bernie. It's Bernie, (laughs) or or it's Stefano. Yeah, 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 yeah. He must have had a horrible time. Poor, poor man. You know, there's a Chinese proverb, isn't there? Be careful for what you wish, for it may be granted. Formula One is always referred to as the Piranha Club for the competition between the teams. You know, it is ferocious. But if you come into that arena in any way, you're going to get caught in the fish crossfire, as Mm. it were, the piranha crossfire. I feel for them. I genuinely am sympathetic to a point where I'm thinking, I'm going to buy some Pirelli tyres, mostly because I bet their prices come down. (laughs) (laughs) But secondly, come on, I know what's going on here. They're perfectly good tyres. I would hatch some in my car. Of course I would. Mm. But the trouble is we're recording this programme before 
the German Grand Prix, so I don't know how the whole tyre story will play out there. But I think Formula One is all the better for the odd failure here and there. You know, if this is the parameters that everyone's working within. That I was very, well, very it, sad it to see Lewis fall away from leading that race at Silverstone because of that. But it did add to the spice, I have to say. I was you elated couldn't, you couldn't well, but that, that was that a boring race. It was no, no really, way. Uh, no. no, but that's, if you're really sort of pushing what you can do with the performance and engineering of a vehicle, you know, you are going to... Uh, you, you know, Need you, a decent You've got to put yourself in ground. <laughs> well, no, but you, you put yourself in an area where stuff is more likely to break. You know, if mm. you're, if you're, mm. and whether you're talking about, you know, the top end of sports car racing or open wheel racing, you know, things do break. Things are not going to be 100% reliable all the time. And it's going to be the same with tyres. But you don't want failures to be quite as common or quite as catastrophic yeah. as they were in that case. It's not Pirelli's fault. It was a combination of circumstances and all kinds of things play into it, you know. The fact that the teams themselves wouldn't agree to allow uh, mm. Pirelli to bring a new formulation can't mm. have helped. Mm. Pirelli having to work and they're working in very difficult circumstances yeah. and doing a difficult job. Do so. you know what they need? What do they need, Richard? They need some testing with a current car. That might help, actually. They are getting some more, aren't yeah, they? Yeah, they are, that's right. And old drivers are now the young drivers for that test as long as they are doing tyre testing. So the trouble is, this is going to become expensive for F1 again. You know, there's a cost implication mm. to all of this. And I do worry for F1. I worry for Caterham. I worry for Marussia. They find it tough. They can only just get there. They can only just compete at the level that's required of them. Any small movement in this difficult economic time is super hard. All right, well, just taking a deliberately contrary view, mm -hmm. if Marussia and Caterham found it impossible to continue competing, is that such a great loss? Oh, well, hmm. You'd have to replace it with something. I would vote for the three-car teams thing. I think that'd be lovely. Three yeah, Ferraris, yeah. three McLarens. I think yeah. that'd be fascinating. Might get Sam Bird in a Mercedes. That would be good. That's no bad thing, but I don't like the power base consolidating to a small group of people. I like the fact that there is a natural variation curve of the superb, the very good, the occasional yeah, yeah, yeah. the poor. Yeah, I think sure. that, want, that's important. You want a range. Yeah, yeah I don't want it to become the premiership which is dominated by you know a money system more than anything there's room for innovation in desperation in well, other words necessity is another invention because the rules are pretty tight mm. relatively so and, the, and part of that is because they're trying to level it a bit in favor of the less lesser teams yeah yeah, yeah. Teams. I, I, but the more yeah. stable yeah. i don't think they're particularly innovative i think they're just trying to keep their heads above water you know yeah. you don't swim in an innovative way when you're trying to stop drowning you just play <laughs> about as best you can and I think that's what they're doing so if you took away Marussia and Caterham I mean they are the two back markers permanently aren't yeah. they there's mm. no surprises yeah. there they're yeah. always making up the final four slots on the grid pretty much I think unless someone else gets yep. penalised or has a really horrible time yep. so you'd end up with nine teams mm -hmm. you've still got the sort of the top of the bottom if you like and then the middle and then the top mm -hmm. I don't I mean I'm just playing devil's advocate you mean here, somebody has to bring up the rear in any case you do yeah 18 cars on the grid we used to have seasons where there were 18 cars on the grid didn't we I mean, it's, a while it's, back, it's yeah. got, it's got Some time ago, the yeah. grid's got bigger and bigger so mm -hmm. It's not the end of the world. I don't wish ill yeah. on Caterham Marussia and the people who work there. No. They're both based in the UK and fair play for them. I'm sure they've got some very talented people working in difficult circumstances for three and sixpence. But um, mm -hmm. but what I'm trying to say, I suppose, is I don't really worry about them so much. I'm going to be brutal and say it's natural selection. Can fair, you imagine, though, these teams, these two teams, are competing at a reasonable level in F1. You know, they're within a spit of it. 
can you imagine what they could do if Caterham and Russia had the kind of resources McLaren, you know, they're over-delivering at the moment. Give them a full budget, watch them go. Yeah. Okay, children, uh, it's time for the highlight of Jamie's birthday. Here he is. It's Pirelli the Clown. Hello, children. I'm a Pirelli the Clown. Who wants a special animal? But an animal made of balloons. Here we go. <laughs> for you, little boy, look at this. It's a dog. Oh, okay, that's not so good. Uh, but this one here, this for you, little girl, is a giraffe. There you go. Oh, okay. Well, uh, that, that was a little unexpected. Um, but this one, this one, this is a good one. For you, little boy, is a dinosaur. There you go. Stupid children, you're holding them the wrong way around. Step petrol! We've got a Jones on speed! As you know, not one of the on-speed team was able to get to Le Mans this year, which is an enormous sadness to us. And an even greater sadness was the fact that a racing driver was killed at that race this year. Sounds callous, but I'm almost glad I wasn't there, because I would imagine the tremors from that throughout that race while you were there would have made it a very difficult Le Mans to be at this year. Did you get a sense of that, that it was hard to enjoy Le Mans because of that this year, even though his family said race on? Yeah, no, it would be, particularly so early on. It just then cast a shadow over the whole thing. I remember, was it two years ago, in the middle of the night, there were those two big Audi crashes. Yeah, yeah, One in particular, the Rockefeller crash. There was a sort of moment when it wasn't quite clear what was going on, and was he okay, or because there'd been no sight of him, and nothing on the the barrier and all sorts. And just that, in that brief period, there was a sort of chill Chill. and then thankfully they were okay but you imagine that when someone's not okay you are suddenly sort of not able to quite fully enjoy yeah it also brings home that it's still a dangerous sport and that stuff can go wrong and that would mar your enjoyment as well because you'd be watching the race and you'd be thinking i hope this doesn't happen again it happened somewhere where you might not expect a death to occur you know the straight is the straights at le mans historically have been where some really dramatic accidents have occurred with cars flipping and leaving into the woods and stuff but this was just at the entrance by tete rouge wasn't it there is no official line as to what his injuries were what the cause of the accident was and i don't think i've seen it i watched it carefully you see the car having come to a standstill, but I've not seen footage of the incident itself. I don't want to see it, but it didn't happen. Or if it is covered, and I rather expect that it is, because just about everything at Le Mans is covered either for television or using their CCTV, then there is footage of, of what happened. It's so sad. It should still be happening in motorsport. It is going to happen. It is a dangerous game, though. Well, you know, we, you know, we, it. the, it's sometimes easier to forget that aspect that motorsport is dangerous. It's got a lot safer, and thankfully, it's much rarer for drivers to be seriously injured. But it can always happen, you know, mm. and, and that's a very sharp reminder of that. It is worth remembering how much safer it has got. I just saw the trailer for Rush. Oh, you've Fett. seen the trailer, have you now? Well, I've just seen the film, but I don't think I'm allowed to talk about it. No, you didn't say that. You've seen the film. Shh. Okay. Um, but in the trailer, there's a bit where Nicky Lauder and he's portrayed, and I think this is supposed to be very accurate. I gather that the guy who played Nicky Lauder actually 
sort of befriended Nicky Ladder and had him on. Christoph Fultz. Yeah, Good lad. a guy He's out of um, Inglorious Bastard. Superb. Yes. And he had Nicky Lauder's number in his phone and on the set, if they were about to do a scene and he was wondering about a detail, would he have put his gloves on before his helmet mm. or vice versa, he would ring Nicky Lauder and go, <laughs> back in the day, what would you have done? And Nicky mm. Lauder would tell him. And then he would, they were striving for absolute authenticity, but they portray Lauder as this sort of very rigorous, very straight down the line guy. Mm. He's very analytical. And at one point he says, you know, this is ridiculous, two of us a, a season are dying here. And oh, yeah. he says it in a sort of absolutely matter-of-fact way and something you know, he wants to avoid because he's like, this is mm. stupid. But it is also a matter-of-fact that in the middle 70s, in Formula 1, two people a season were, on average, going to be killed. And that's absurd. Isn't yeah, it? yeah, yeah. Two people oh, yeah, the, a year from a relatively small risk, group of men. Of that, yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, you hear something like Jackie Stewart talking about it, you know, and you hear him talking about how... His friends you know, are how, dying. Exactly, you know, yeah. you know, how, you know the, he had to do something about safety and you have to respect him enormously for what he mm. did for racing safety because so many of his friends were killed doing it yeah. you know mm. Jackie Stewart one of our greatest racing drivers retired after his 99th race before his 100th race because his teammate was killed and mm. the 100th race didn't mean anything to him quite rightly and uh, that's always a poss- yeah. possibility there's been some lovely support for Alan Simonson in motorsport a lot of GT cars have had tributes to him on the side of the cars in the next race I thought Tom King of Denmark said some really nice things coining the term Great Dane on the not coining it but using it in that context on the podium there and you know it was tough you look at the faces of Luke Duval and Tom Christensen and what's that other guy called Little Al on the podium and it must have been tough for them there's that tremendous emotional rush that you get at the end of Le Mans that tremendous sense of achievement satisfaction relief happiness Tom and his Danish connection to the racing driver it was a very difficult place for them to be but bloody hell and he did a good job, didn't they? Because that Toyota wasn't bad this year, was it? No. Hey, quick. Yeah. It well, was thrifty, and it had the tank balances about right now, isn't it? The size of the fuel that a diesel hybrid and a petrol hybrid car, the way that they balance them, the ACO, they've got that pretty good now. Well, I mean, I'm not sure everyone would agree with that. There seems to be some, some dispute about just how equivalent it is, but we had a good, uh, a good what do you think? between... Uh, I'm not sure that I have an opinion at the moment. OK. Um, <laughs> the, um, <laughs> it's going to be really tough for Audi next year though because Toyota are going to be stronger next year because Mm. really you know if they'd been running to the original plan this would have been Toyota's first year Mm. not last Mm, yeah yeah so in a sense it's probably only next year that they'll be really up to speed so that's going to be tougher and of course they're going to have to beat Porsche as well and although you don't win Le Mans your first year coming in you know there are some teams that probably could and Porsche are already running their next year's I wouldn't bet against it. Did you see the official oh. pictures they put out of the, the yeah, next year's car? Yeah. And they were just on a test track at Vaisak, I think. Which yeah, is, yeah um, with the sort of black and white whiddly whiddly Yeah, camouflage. yeah, so it's got the yeah. sort of camouflage they put on a road car. But what was more telling was these were official pics, and I think they released three or four of them. They were all quite a narrow angle front three quarters, so mostly favouring the front. So you yeah. can't see yeah, much yeah. of the side or yeah, the yeah. back. And I thought, that's yeah, very yeah. interesting. Yeah. What are they up to back there? I wonder, I wonder. Well, it looked a lot like the Audi to me. I know it isn't the same car, and I have flirted the idea that there may not. have been some 
some VW group crossover of intellectual property as they did with the Bentley, but this... No, I know they're not, because no, no, Porsche, it means nothing to them if they don't win with their own technology yeah. and mm. their own design. Mm. You know, if they take stuff from Audi, mm. they're not winning. You know? and, also, and of course, on some level, there'll be some shared stuff within the group, I dare say, but no, Porsche are coming into this to beat Audi, and they have to beat Audi at the top of their game. You know, you know they, don't yeah. want, they, they don't want to beat Audi who aren't interested in it anymore, they don't want to beat... Well, if you were Audi, you'd go, sorry, run that past me again, you want us to give some of our technology to Porsche so they can come and try and beat us. Sod yeah. off. Yes, that's right. not going to yeah. happen. They're completely yeah. independent efforts. But yeah. if you are at the VW Group board, you are essentially like a Roman emperors who are <laughs> getting two of your finest gladiators yeah, to yeah. fight each other yeah, now yeah. for your I, yeah. amusement because I like whatever happens... Yeah. As long as Toyota don't muscle in there and, and, spoil, uh, the and fight. spoil it, then Which it's, it's well going to be a win for VW Group as yeah, a whole. Yeah, I'm waiting for Skoda to join in the fray, really, and say at when you know their LMP ones. Skoda should do. I just was looking at some pictures of the new Octavia VRS, but the estate mm-hmm. version, right? Oh, hello, yeah. hello, <laughs> hello. That's what if Skoda were going to do Le Mans, they should do in that. the Volvo <laughs> touring car yes, style. Yeah. An estate Enter an estate. Come on, yeah. why not? I, I, hang on, I, I'm having palpitations. I never even imagined, I never allowed myself hey, to imagine an estate just car just running me. at the mall. This just reminded me of something. Sorry, this is a diversion, but it just reminded yeah. me of something. This is an apocryphal story. I don't believe that it's true, but the story is that the reason Volvo entered estate cars in the BTCC, and they did it for one season, if you remember, yeah. then they mm-hmm. went back to saloons. The reason they did it was because they decided to enter touring cars, and I can't remember the name, it was a UK team that were actually running the cars for them, and they said, we need the shells to start work on the racing cars, and they sent a lorry over to Gothenburg, and when it turned up, there was some kind of holiday in Sweden, and there were two shells that had been earmarked for them, and they were estate shells, and the bloke just chucked them on the truck and went, right, I've got to go back to the UK now, they need these double quick. And when they got back to the factory, he went, there you go, shells I was promised that, you know, you want hmm. to pick up. Well, there is. Oh, uh, never mind, I'll just get on with it. No. I don't believe it's true. It sounds absurd. I, I don't think stuff like that goes on, but it would be nice to think it was true. I remember a story being spun at the time that there was an aerodynamic advantage yes. of having yeah, yeah. the estate over the saloon. It was rubbish, wasn't it? Because it was one yeah, season. Yeah, I think it would have been rubbish. The real area more than anything. Yeah, the real reason yeah. that they only did it for one season was because by the end of that season, the Labrador in the boot was knackered. There you go. Can we look forward to Le Mans next year? Because you know it was sad this year, but next year is going to be exciting. We'll have the Porsche. We'll have the Audi, the superbly strong Audi now, strength in depth, there it is. But here's the interesting thing. You know, Toyota didn't run any official sort of guests to Le Mans from the UK this year or last year. You mean Liggers? Yeah, us, Liggers and Blaggers and ne'er do Yeah, 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 us kind of guys. They figured they had better ways to spend their money, and who are we to say they were? Yeah, yeah. (laughs) They didn't last year, and they didn't this year. Oh, no, (laughs) no, we're not. Now you're doing an impression. (laughs) Oh, the Toyota PR man. <laughs> and actually, if you didn't know, that could be taken as a slightly racist impression, suggesting no. that Toyota weren't for anyone who could have been shotted. You are in deep now. What? No, no, no. But in conversations I've had with them, they are already talking about the trip next year and everything. So Toyota are very confident. So, next what you're year. saying is that essentially. 
the, the past two years have been a sort of little warmer. Yeah, yeah. Mm. They believe that 2014 is the big push for glory, yeah. Yeah. and they want to take associated uh, journalists and VIPs yeah. and, exactly. and, and freeloading scum like us yeah. to watch them win the race. There's Bonus. no other reason to take people out there, is there really? No. I mean, why not? <laughs> Uh, this is an amazing moment for me, for my colleagues, for everybody at the Toyota Motor Corporation. Uh, this has taken many years of hard work, of dedication, of a sweat, of personal devotion. Uh, but here at last we have won the Roman 24-hour race. And I am honoured, so very honoured that you could all join us here today to witness this most momentous of occasion for Toyota Motor Corporation. So sorry, I am almost unable to speak. Uh, this is a great and emotional moment for, for me. Please, does anyone have any questions? Yeah, have you got any more of these free pens? I just dropped sushi on this one. At the risk of sounding like one of the introductions they used to have at the start of That's Life. Do you remember the Esther Ranson show, That's Life? Uh, yeah, it was uh, a comedy pet, a funny-shaped yeah. vegetable, yeah. and maybe something. Yeah, and then... Serious. Then there'd be something serious yeah. about, like, yeah. I don't know, just, just the kind of tree that was giving people leukaemia or something. Oh, yeah. the leukaemia tree, And they'd tree, come out yeah. of it and they'd go, and that's why little Jamie, who's only three, is going to die. Yes. Here's a carrot that looks yes. like a penis. That's it exactly the awful gear changes of, yeah. of tone. And, and, yeah. and then Cyril Fletcher would come in and would say, I am deeply indebted to Mrs. Jennifer Puttles-Smattle from Heverington in Cleveland, who sent me a picture of herself completely naked. So at the, risk, wow. yeah. the last 30 seconds has meant nothing to anyone who is not familiar with well, 1980s right. British yeah. television. Well, that's the thing, but, but I don't, uh, Cyril Fletcher, I don't remember Cyril Fletcher on it, but when I was a kid, it was Doc Cox... Yeah, he yes, was the, yes. Hang on, the funny that, man who sat on his own. Program. And then you had the panel of three... Hang on, okay. who was on the panel? Glyn Worsnip and uh, Kieran Prenderville? Was oh, that I your think, period? No, well, yeah, Kieran Prenderville, I remember. There was a guy called Gavin Campbell who was on the Gavin panel. Gavin Campbell, I know that name, yeah. Oh, Can this is a time I'm, when I'm Michael really, Gore was on it as well, yes. Again, I'm really remember. happy to say that both of you remember a huge amount more detail about <laughs> that life than I do. I'm very, very Yeah, but do you know what? This is the worry. I can remember tiny details about who was on That's Life circa 1987. Mm -hmm. Couldn't yeah. find my charger for my laptop this evening. <laughs> I couldn't remember where I put it. So, you yeah. know, it swings and roundabouts, really. It all evens out in the yin and yang. Deeply at the risk of sounding like Cyril Fletcher. You are deeply at the risk of sounding like Cyril deeply Fletcher. indebted to the Nissan PR team who contacted me to say, Gareth, I think we've got a car that you might just like. And they were probably right. It's the Nissan El Grand Highway Star. Now, you two Is that what it's really called? That's really what it's called. El Grand Highway. See, that El sounds Grand. like that, that should be the vehicle for Texas, isn't it? That's yeah, yeah, like yeah. The like highway yeah. star. El Grand oh, Highway El Grande. star. It actually sounds like a Harley And or New Mexico. Yeah, it does, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah. driving on yeah. long, long roads. Having said that, I did see one of those Master Bongo Friendies. Bongo Friendy. I love I, that I, I, I was only in Wales two months ago, and I was walking up a very isolated country lane. Oh, there yeah. was a single cottage on this lane, oh. and parked. 
parked <laughs> outside here. It was a bongo friendly. Well, I took a picture of it. A bongo friendly. It translates very well to Australian bongo friendly. Japanese domestic market cars are fantastic. They're interesting because you just don't see them. Mm. And, you know, I like cars that you just don't see. That's why I like the ugly cars that no one buys because you just don't see them. So, oh, when I see them, I'm glad to see them. I you drive. should come up to my place more often because there's a bright yellow Suzuki X90 yeah. that drives around and I see it. Yeah. I would say on average twice a week, Change and yet it? always in different places. Uh-huh. So there's no set pattern. It's not like you know. You sometimes on your commute you might see the same sort of car pretty much every day because you have the same routine. Yeah. But I see this bloody awful Suzuki it's following you. Oh, it's it's like, you know that film Jewel? It's like that, but a really crappy version of Jewel. Yeah. <laughs> Are you stalked by a car? Is there one car? I haven't had one recently. No, it does, it does happen. That's quite a good thing. Actually, we should get people. I know we're not doing the live show, but, yeah, but, but, yeah. but get people to write in if you're being stalked by a car, because I think yeah. it does happen. Yeah, it does happen. I was yeah. stalked. You know, we were talking before we started recording about seeing Ford prototypes. Yeah, you yeah. saw the new Mondeo. I saw the new Mondeo, yeah. All taped up. And I was saying, I've been up in Essex and I've seen nothing that's sort of still secret but I've seen things that are just on sale and they're obviously still using the development cars for other stuff shakedown work and and you'll see these taped up prototypes this is the weirdest thing when I lived in Birmingham for a period of about two months probably once a week I would see a focus prototype all covered in the fake fiberglass panels Mm -hmm. that they do but driving around Birmingham and it was the weirdest thing. And also, it was left-hand drive, and it was on German plates. What's all that about? But it was like a bloke was using it to get to work. Like, he'd bought it. Yeah. Got at the show. And this is the original Focus. This is 98, when that first came out. Or 99. Oh, I know. He'd gone at the show, and he got, I want the first Focus. And he went, well, it's not ready yet. I don't care. Get me the first one. <laughs> well, all right. But it's a bit scruffy. And it's a prototype. I love it. I think the thing work out is there that must have been. He didn't do the voice. I love Focus. I want that one. <laughs> anyway, I'm a massive fan of Dutch music, <laughs> and I like the band Farkas. So I want to drive one. <laughs> what a car called Farkas? We may have gone off topic a again. Little. But sorry, that's okay. sorry. That's okay. The L Grand Highway Stagger. Right, this is what it is. If you don't know what this car is, it's a Japanese domestic market car. It's a people mover. It's bigger than the Galaxy. It's very close to the... Do you uh, mean the Ford or the, the enormous I mean space the, around The one us. that we live in next door to Andromeda, right. yeah, right. yeah, yeah. But it is huge. It's like an R-Class, but even bigger because it's taller than an R-Class. I like many things about it. The fact that it's a kind of obscure Japanese domestic market R-Class is a great starting point for me. <laughs> so up your street. Yeah, it really. is, isn't it? it <laughs> is. They were so right at the PRT with this one. The fact that it's got a two-by-two-by-three layout so you've got captain's chairs in the front, captain chairs in the back with a drop-down video. Kids were happy. And then three seats in the back. That's very handy for when you go camping, because I went camping with it, and we were able to shuttle people around when we got there, you know, all that sort of thing. Very handy. Hang it, on a sec. Can I just ask something? Yeah, Because this car already has just got you written all yeah, over it. Yeah, it was black too. Did you sit in the second row captain's chair yeah. so you could pretend you were Jean-Luc Picard <laughs> <laughs> like, you, know, you know there have been some kind of Star Trek related yeah I should have done yeah. and I have someone else driving yeah, the front. Of, I'm going to indicate left make it so yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well there is a Star Trek connection to this car which I'll come is to that, in a oh, minute it genuinely is probably the best thing about the car he said coming down about three octaves is the engine, which is from the Nissan 350Z, that V6 that they do, the 3.5 litre V6, not the 3.70, the 3.50, yeah. which was 
brilliant zinging engine. Ooh. Is it quite sort of revvy and noisy? Yes, though? not noisy. It makes a good sound. Number one son kept saying, Dad, Dad, listen. You could hear it sing, you know, it mm. really did sing. It was a good engine. Two things about it, slightly odd. CVT gearbox, which I wasn't expecting. Oh, mm-hmm. interesting. Which was all right. Yeah. For something like that, you can get away with the CVT. You don't want that instant response thing. And this is why we were here in the engine. It's always going to be that uh, engine come yeah, on, yeah, yeah, then the car right. catches up yeah, with it. Yeah. Okay, that's just part of the story. I like the fact that I got 33 miles to the gallon out of it, which is shocking. Did you? Yeah. Inexplicable. Inexplicable. Now, I heard the story, because I remember when you first found out about this car, Mm. I was there. Mm -hmm. Tom Barnard from Nissan. Hello, Tom. I don't think he listens anymore, because he went, you talk about F1 too much. Tom Barnard is an ex-journalist of our acquaintance, who is now the Nissan PR boss, and he mentioned this to us when we bumped into him at Moe's show. Right up your strata, he said. I think he he did, and he was right. He's bang on right. But he said that they brought it over, and they'd lent it to, was it the Monocle magazine, or the chap, or something like that? (laughs) Well, (laughs) Monocle is kind of sort of high-end lifestyle, very exclusive. Yeah. Chap is very tongue-in-cheek. Much yes. smaller readership. I think it was the monocle, um, and I think the reason was because they like to be, you know, finger on pulse. They had found out that a lot yeah, of the, Japanese the, kids the, are buying the these cars in mm-hmm. Tokyo, and they get all their mates to pile in them, and then they'll have a little party in this mm. big car because there's room that. to. You can move before they go to a nightclub because it's too expensive mm. to spend all night in the nightclub and drinking and stuff like that. So they'll mm. just go in the back of the L Grand or whatever, yeah. have a bit of a party there. Yeah. Monocle cottoned onto this as a trend in Tokyo and then found out they could have one of these cars to drive around London but I seem to remember that Tom or someone told us that after a few weeks or months this magazine rang up and went yeah that El Grand you've lent us on a long term test we aren't really using it because it's very thirsty mm. and it's bankrupting us because we can't expense <laughs> all the petrol bags I, really? I, I, yeah. I, I, I know I had it for yeah. a trip of what 100 and something miles to Suffolk and back and going out there we beetled along at that 50 miles per hour that you do on that limited section of road between here and there and that was it but on the way back it was clear and quiet and I went for it a bit it doesn't handle too bad for is a big thing is it front or rear wheel drive this is the big disappointment it is front wheel is it? drive I was really astonished that it was it took me a while to realise hang on a moment this is scrubbing off what the hell's going on here you know it should be at least rear wheel drive or preferably four wheel drive for something like that because the R class benefits from that it makes a better drive but overall I did like this car these these big people mover things Mm -hmm. they shouldn't be handling like no they're not expected to do that uh, a sharp handling car is this where we get back to Star Trek again because you're going to say you can he change the laws of physics oh there you go very good my neighbour came out and said Gareth what is your car He's, he's, he's Welsh as well. Yeah, yeah, that's right. <laughs> what is your car? And I explained, I haven't seen it. it it's like a luxury jumbo jet, he said. <laughs> it is. And it was. It was. It's like a little executive jet, you know, a bulky one, but that. Two funniest things about this car. You know when you're sitting in a car and you look up and you've got this little storage space above the mirror, you press it and it opens out. Do you want for your sunglasses? For your sunglasses. That's what goes in there. Imagine my surprise, he said, sounding like Cyril Fletcher again. You press that, what happens? 
He drops down. Clearly a modified sunglasses case holder thing. Yeah. It's no longer a sunglasses case. It's a wide-angle mirror so you can have a conversation with the people in the back. It just made me laugh. Mm. I wasn't expecting that. It was funny. Yes, it's an interesting idea, but is that a good idea, though? Because do you want to be making eye contact with, 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 with somebody? You. you know, you want to be keeping your eyes in the road. You don't want Maybe to be... it serves some other function when you're parked and you have a chauffeur. It's room no, to there, was, your there, your there was another car that had it on. I think it was a yeah? Citroen or something. A Citroen or... I've or never or seen it anywhere before. Possibly. God, what else? Something. Or a Renault. Yeah, possibly a scene. A Frenchish thing. A Frenchish thing of some description and it was specifically marketed as keep an eye on your kids in the back uh-huh. mirror uh, yeah maybe it was okay, a Renault and they yeah, nicked yeah. the idea from I Nissan wonder, and Japan them all being part of the Rebel Alliance whatever it, they're called it, <laughs> it was it, very nicely put together the whole thing it was super luxurious super comfortable it porpoised like a porpoise over any undulation in the road, it's like here we go, here we go, here did, we did go. It, did it ride nicely though? As a result, it, it, it? yeah, it was pleasant enough. Yeah. Over the speed bumps in London, it took ages to settle uh, down, but once you got on the road, it was fine. It was fine. It wasn't a great handle, but it was all right. It was under steering, front wheel drive. I told you all that. But the last two things about this car that I like most of all, first of all, you just don't see them, mm-hmm. <laughs> and so it got a huge amount of attention. Every time I stopped, because people looking out, reading the badge, just an unrecognisable shape. So, hmm. yeah, win, win, win on that for me. But best of all, from the front, have you seen the grill of this thing? Have you seen it? Hmm. It's more metal on the front of that vehicle than a row of those Dodge 300s with the Bentley grills on, you know, all smashed together. I mean, it's a very American-looking Very front, American. Very, yeah. But I think, as a car... It's the car that most looks like Geordie LaForge from Star Trek The Next Generation of any car I've ever seen in my life. And that made me happy. That's really what I was trying to get to. Love the L Grand. Can't buy it. I don't know why I'm telling you. I don't even know why Nissan let me borrow it. But thank you. That was funny. You've been listening to me ranting. You've been listening to Zog. Goodbye. Talking sense. And you've been listening to Richard Porter taking us off topic. Sorry. Goodbye. And I was Gareth. See ya. To send us an email, see pictures, get song lyrics, join our Facebook fan site, follow us on Twitter, or to find out about sponsorship opportunities, go to garethjones.tv. Gareth Jones on Speed is made in London by Whizbang. Gareth Jones on Speed!